This is Desmond King, and you are listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. Hey guys, Chris Harry with you on a week six edition of Chargers Weekly here on the new Chargers Podcast Network. We are absolutely loaded for Steelers Week. Coming up, a very special in-studio guest, Mike Vick, going to join me to talk Chargers, plus how the course of NFL history would have changed had he became a Charger in 2001. We've also got friend of the podcast, Kay Adams of Good Morning Football. She's going to share her thoughts on the Bolts and what to expect on Sunday night. Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he gives this week's opposing view. But first, Sunday Night Football's Michelle Tafoya. All right, NBC Sunday Night Football, primetime TV's number one show for an unprecedented eight consecutive years, returns to L.A. as the Chargers host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now joining us is Sunday Night Football's award-winning sideline reporter, Michelle Tafoya. She's going to be on the broadcast along with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. And Michelle, it's so great to catch up with you again. How you doing? How are you guys out there? We're doing really well, and it's it's wild to me. The last time we spoke was before Chargers Steelers last December, and so much has changed, right? No Big Ben, <laughs> no Antonio Brown, no Derwin James. Melvin Gordon's back. He didn't play in this one last year. And then a couple of heroes from last year's game, Michael Badgley, Justin Jackson, those guys are out. It's pretty remarkable how things can change so quickly. That's why, you know, when any time someone asks me to make a prediction about the NFL, <laughs> over the years I've learned you just can't and you shouldn't. Uh, because you could end up looking foolish. I mean, an injury can change everything. Certainly, it seems the case for the Steelers, uh, uh, you know, and we'll see who they run out at quarterback. I know that uh, Mason Rudolph is trying to come back and trying to get cleared from the concussion, but, um, you know, so it, it, it is really amazing. And, boy, uh, the news about um, about Pouncey for, for the Chargers is really uh, remarkable. It really is, and there's a couple brother connections. We talked about the – Derek Watt, TJ Watt connection last year. Derek's going to face both of his brothers in the span of three weeks, which is pretty cool. But you mentioned the other one, Mike and Marquise. They're so close. They were at the Pro Bowl together. And for Mike to get that news on Wednesday that he's headed to IR, it's really tough, especially considering he's going to face his brother Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, I wonder how Marquise is responding to this because, as you said, they're so close. And a neck injury is nothing to – you know, to kind of just, uh, it's not a run-of-the-mill injury. And so you just wonder what it's going to mean. Um, y- you know, we know that he's going to have to undergo surgery at some point. I, I, that kind of stuff to me is a little scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you just kind of wonder how that's, that's going over in the Pouncey family. Michelle, if it is indeed Devlin Hodges, do you remember covering a third-string quarterback set to make his first NFL start on such a big stage in primetime? I can't remember it. Um, I, I certainly have covered third-string quarterbacks in the past, but it's a very rare occurrence, and it is, uh, it's something you, you know, now you got to dig deep because you've got a lot of stories to tell. you got to introduce people to this guy, but there's certainly a lot to, to like about this guy. He seems like he's just one of those my favorite stories in the NFL are guys that come from kind of nowhere mm-hmm. and end up somewhere big and uh, I think it's true with Eckler on, on the Chargers and I think it could be true with this guy um, we'll see what he does he stepped in really well after Mason Rudolph went down last week so um, you know does he have to come in again and and then you know does Paxton Lynch get 
brought up off the the uh, practice squad to back him up. It's it's really going to be interesting. But from all I've heard, uh, Mason Rudolph came back to to work on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and was in great shape. Has had one more phase of the uh, concussion protocol, but I really it, you know it could be a game time decision. No doubt. And you know Philip Rivers, he talked about Hodges doesn't know him, sixteen years older than him, but. Grew up about an, an hour away in Alabama. So I think that's mm. a pretty cool storyline as well. And then you, you talk about the class of 2004. Philip tied Ben for career completions last week. He'll pass him in week six. Just your overall impressions of the quarterback position, especially that class of 2004, Michelle, where, where you know Ben's out for the year right now. Eli's kind of passed the torch to Daniel Jones, the rookie. You know, And, and Philip's still rolling here entering year 17. It's pretty cool. Uh, I've always been a fan of Phillips. Uh, you know, I, you're not really allowed to be a fan of a team or be rah-rah for anyone in my position, but you, you get to know players after a while and you understand kind of who, who, who really you respect. And, and Phillip is one of those that I really respect uh, because he is so tough and because he's always available, you know, and, and after 17 years, yeah, you can look at Tom Brady, and and you know he's sort of that anomaly. And a lot of these guys are are kind of getting older, and you're starting to wonder when it's going to be the end for them. But Philip is one of those guys who just he's always there. I think he's been really good from the get go. I think he's uh, underexposed in the NFL in terms of you know how how good he is. Uh, so I just I. I really like watching this guy play. I'd love to be a receiver on his team. I think um, I think he's a terrific leader, and uh, these guys really adore him. Michelle, what are the storylines? Can I catch your eye with this matchup? You know, we talked about Phillip, and you know, obviously these two teams went head to head in December, um, but the Steelers look markedly different. You know, offensively, Juju Smith Schuster kind of making a homecoming back to Southern California. He's the number one guy there. Um, James Conner's still the, the running back there. Um, the quarterback position's different. Um, a, a lot of change with the Steelers as well. Yeah, there is. They do have a pretty good offensive line. I think the bigger story with the Steelers is defensively. They are doing things this year that they weren't able to do as well last year. Turnovers, getting to the quarterback. I think that just the a little change up in the way that they are, um, that their defense is designed is making them a little bit more difficult. So that's going to be something new for the Chargers to look at as opposed to the way they looked at them in December last year. So I think that's something to watch. I think the thing to watch with the Chargers too is who does get more of the snaps at, at running back? Is it Melvin? Is it Austin? Uh, you know, they're, they're, Melvin obviously is the starter. Austin has proven himself to be extremely tough and very effective. Uh, you know, is, how much is Melvin back at his normal condition? Because even if guys are conditioning and staying in shape away from a team, it is so different once you get into a game. And those, most guys will tell you that if they're being honest about it. So, you know, that's going to be interesting as well. Um, yeah, and, and both teams are just so darn banged up. It's always difficult to, to look at a game like this and see how teams are going to, you know, handle that next man up mentality. I've seen some teams like the Colts, do it really well last week in Kansas City. That's right. And sometimes teams just can't overcome it. So I think for both of these teams, it's going to be a big question. Just going back to your your running back comment, I, I really do believe that that's going to be one of the more intriguing things down the line because Austin right now 
98 touches on the year. He's tied for ninth with Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott. So you can't take him off the field. You got to figure ways to get him the football while also yeah. getting Melvin Gordon involved and eventually being that uh, that bell cow running back in the second half, milking the clock when necessary. Uh, I think it's a it's a delicate balance, but you got to get both guys on the field. I think you do, and I think with running backs these days, they're so involved in the passing game far more than they were say five, ten years ago that that that's something that's a place where Austin really shines. And uh, not to say that Melvin doesn't, but it, that that is a way to keep them both on the field. Um, I think, and I think you're right. I, I think you go with your best players and. Certainly, Eckler is one of their best special teams players. You got to rein that in a little bit if you're going to have him involved in the offense. But um, I, I just can't wait to watch them both play. I, I really, good running backs are super fun to watch. You've got two of them in Los Angeles with the Chargers, and to me, uh, that's going to be the fun thing to watch. Then you got Keenan Allen, who he was yeah. slowed last week by the Broncos because obviously they saw what he was doing through the first quarter of the season. He had a big game on Sunday Night Football last year in Pittsburgh. What have you seen from Keenan? It seems like you know he's been able to stay healthy, Michelle, back-to-back Pro Bowl years, and there's just something different about him this year. I, I really do feel like he's kind of raised his game to another level. And, and that's another thing you love to see is wide receivers who, who don't kind of rest on their laurels but always work to, to find a way to get better. And I'll be really excited to watch him play. Um, you know, you've got Hunter Henry back this season. You've got things on that offense that, that maybe weren't available early in the year. And I think with all those weapons on the field, you know, it's going to be tough. To, to leave Keenan, you know, they're going to have to, I think, leave him one-on-one mm-hmm. from time to time, and, and that's going to give him opportunities. So, um, again, just a really interesting, uh, an interesting sort of chess match. And, you know, the Steelers now have this Minka Fitzpatrick, who they got in a trade with, with the Dolphins. And so to, to watch him settle in, and it sounds like he's already picking it up pretty quickly, him, Terrell Edmonds, uh, you know, that, that secondary for the Steelers, Again, really fun matchup to watch against Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, all those guys. You're right. It's going to be a great chess match. The Steelers have forced 12 turnovers already this year, I think tied with the Patriots for most in the NFL. That's the the thing. That's one of the things they're doing well this year that they weren't last year. So really something to watch. Michelle, what did you learn about this Chargers team when you did the game last December that maybe you didn't know about the Chargers and head coach Anthony Lynn. I thought one of the interesting things when I when I asked Chris Collinsworth this uh, last December, he just said, the Chargers are just new to me. You guys hadn't had them yeah. on Sunday Night Football. What did you learn about Coach Lynn and, and just kind of the culture that he's building here in Los Angeles? I think that was the number one thing that came to mind when you said, what did you learn? It was Anthony Lynn, a really interesting guy, great to talk to, seems to have this team. Um, mentally right where he wants them, um, seems to give room to the leaders to let them lead and um, certainly providing direction for the, for the people that need a little bit more leadership. We really were impressed with him. So that's, that's fun. And, and Chris is right. You know, we, that's one of the things that we enjoy uh, about a game like this. When you bring the LA Chargers on TV, they don't get a ton of national exposure. This is a big week for them to get that. And so we want to tell the stories and we want to, show them who these players are um you know so i I just think uh in a lot of ways i've had such great experiences 
dealing with the Chargers. It seems to me that they're really open to wanting to talk and, and have their have their team get a little spotlight that they don't often get. So it's it's been fun. But Chris is right. Um, you know, we cover Pittsburgh a million times. We cover That's the right. Patriots a million times. We cover Dallas to the point where, you know, it's getting to be old hat. Yeah. For the Chargers, it's always kind of fun. It's 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 not that anything's never not fun, but uh, it's just fun to kind of get get into these new characters, if you will, because really this is just a drama playing out on a football field, and then you have these characters to talk about. So uh, I, I always like the Derek Watt Jay Watt matchup. We had that last year as well. That's fun. I, I'll never forget when Mike Tomlin told us. Everybody needs a Watt because you know, he loves TJ so much, and, <laughs> and we all know what JJ does down in Houston. And they're just um, kind of the all-American trio of of brothers. And so, you know, the kinds of things that you learn, you learn about who the guys are and and what they're able to do. And like I said, I I, I think their future's bright. Um, but you mentioned that you know how much does Philip Rivers have left, and and that's where the this story goes beyond this season we'll see what what they get done this year michelle final thing for me just your observations from around the league through the first five weeks especially the games that you guys have done you mentioned it. you've you've seen the steelers the patriots uh you had a good one last week in kansas city the landscape of the afc specifically it's the patriots it's the chiefs and then there is a lot up for debate no question about it i mean the like I said to begin with, people ask you for predictions. They ask you who you like. They they ask for Super Bowl predictions before the season even begins, and it's absolutely impossible. I mean, certainly the odds makers think they know, and in many cases they do. Uh, the only thing you can really count on is the Patriots. I think Kansas City is starting to step up into that into that echelon as well. As you said, I I think their quarterback is tremendous. Got dinged up last week. So Patrick Mahomes will keep watching that ankle and see see how he improves, how he gets that better and is able to move. The other thing I noticed is that uh, for some reason, teams are getting really banged up really early this year. I don't know if that's just coincidence. Yeah. I really don't know. But I just I see it, and it's, it's, it's odd to me, but it can really change the complexion of a, of a season for a team. So those are the first couple of things that I've noticed. And um, you know, we're only going into week six, so it's it's still kind of early, but this is the time, this sort of week six through ten, where you start to see the standings sort of settle into where they're going to be. That is not to say that some team couldn't sneak up. One of those that I would point to is the Indianapolis Colts. They're extremely well coached. Their quarterback is beloved. That team would do anything for Jacoby Brissett, and they've got some talent on that defense. Once they get healthy, they'll be even more talented. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out there. I would even look at what Bruce Arians is doing down at Tampa Bay and mm-hmm. keep an eye there, not to suggest that any of these teams are going to be Super Bowl bound, but they, they may make some noise. So, uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm covering a wide gamut there for you, but th- this is just sort of my early through five weeks impressions of what we're going to see. And then some of the former Giants, of the league. And I'll specifically speak of the giants, how disappointing, you know, they just really, when we don't have a New York team on Sunday night football, wow. That's, yeah, it's that's tough. saying a lot. It's tough. Yeah. And you know, the injury thing, you hit it on the head, especially in the chargers case right now, we, we talk about uh, Michael Badgley, Derwin James, um, 
Melvin Ingram has been out. Adrian Phillips. There's been so many guys. Hunter Henry's been out. So the Chargers, what they need, they just need to get some guys back. If if they can try to stack some wins here, you said it's early, it's week six, try to get some wins, get on a little bit of a roll, and then slowly but surely get some of your leaders back, get some of your impact players back. There's a lot of football to go, Michelle. When, whenever I hear someone talk that way that you just did, I remember the Indianapolis Colts and the year they won the Super Bowl under Tony Dungy. They were banged up in the secondary. Their defense was just struggling. And slowly but surely, Bob Sanders comes back. Guys get back. They start to get on that roll, and boom, they win a Super Bowl. So it's, uh, you know, it, that's what I love about this league. It's the best. It's the best. And you're the best. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really look forward to seeing you in L.A., and uh, we got a good one on Sunday night. I can't wait for some warm weather. Thank you. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it say to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No fake. I hate fake Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, guys, pleased to bring on a friend of the program, Kay Adams. Good morning, football joins me here on Chargers Weekly. And Kay, I was just saying, it's been too long. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. How you doing? I love the show. I cannot believe it has been this long, but um, hopefully all the good luck this team needs to turn it around right now. I brought you on this week. We need a little little bit of luck this week. Sunday Night Football, <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. And you and I were just talking. It, it just, it's been an, an uneven Five weeks for the Chargers. Just a lot of injuries, and I know that's not an excuse for any NFL team, but you just talk about some of the guys that are, have gone down. Mike Pouncey this week. Uh, oh, Russell, terrible. IR. IR. Russell hasn't played this year. Adrian Phillips was hurt. Uh, Melvin Ingram's been hurt. Darwin James, of course. Melvin's just getting back, and these are all Pro Bowl players. Then you throw in guys like Hunter Henry and, and Michael Badgley. Uh, this team's 2-3 and three right now, but you know, you're hoping just to get some bodies back and hopefully stack some wins. Yeah, you're, you know, people underestimate the difference that a Hunter Henry can make on the field. And when you have Philip Rivers, if he has, has less than a perfect game, which he did with those two interceptions last week against Denver, you're not going to win the game, especially, you know, when they get up early. So I feel like what Hunter Henry can do when he hopefully returns, Russell Okun, him being back, we've been waiting for that. Luckily, he's not on IR, and we should expect that. It is just all of those injuries you listed. I know that you guys are about to face a Steelers team dealing with their injuries of their own. It's wild to me, and it just makes Philip Rivers stand out more. Every injury, every blow, every bite to this offense, to this defense, just the fact that he is always out there, that consecutive streak of his is sterling, shining, second to, what well, I think he's only second to one other person ever, Brett Favre. Yeah, it's just, just a Favre. Doing that, and then seeing the landscape of the NFL right now with Eli being benched, Big Ben dealing with an injury, Drew Brees not out there right now. It's so important that Phillips is out there leading this team, leading the way. He's a constant leader, everything he does on and off the field. And I was thinking earlier about why I love this team. It's because of Phillips. It's because it makes me sad to see them at two and three. And there's some hope and optimism. They are getting guys back. And the Chiefs don't look great right now. And the Broncos got just their first win. So even though the schedule gets harder, hopefully you guys can get some of those pieces back. And 
and really feel how I feel like. And, and if I feel like this not being a Chargers fan from the area, and if I feel like this and I don't know Philip Rivers personally, imagine what this locker room feels and how they can maybe get galvanized and get behind something of, let's go win one for Philip. Let's really yeah. win one for Philip. And I'm not talking about win a game or a division or a season. I'm talking about a Super Bowl. No doubt. And, you know, it's a 16-game season. I think it's easy to get caught up in the week, right? You lose, and there's a few days where you're like, oh, man, you, you kind of dwell on the loss. But Coach Lynn breaks it down into four quarters. It's a long year, bottom line. And when Phillip is set to make his 214th consecutive start, you kind of alluded to it. Wow. Class of 2004, Eli's kind of passed the torch to Daniel Jones. You know, Big Ben was in this game last year. He's obviously out for the year. Uh, you mentioned Drew Brees. And then we see all the quarterback injuries at the beginning of the year, Kay. It just right. makes you appreciate what Phillip has done and what he's meant to this organization for 17 seasons. Yeah, and these other guys need to step up. I mean, we've seen Austin Eckler, like they need a pass catcher. There he is. He had, what, 15 or more catches in this last game. And, you know, Keenan Allen have clearly taken out of it. Somebody has to step up. We saw Uchenna fill in spectacularly for yeah. Melvin Ingram. We've seen adversity on this Chargers team in recent years. We've seen waves of injuries. We've seen long road trips. I know that they're one and two there in L.A. this year. We've seen that sort of help them build this tough skin that Philip Rivers was talking about. We've been in this situation. We've played some of our best football when we're in this exact environment. So the fact that the Chiefs lost, they'll get some of these guys back. They're going to scrape and make their way into the playoffs somehow. I truly believe that. But it, they got to score. They got to get down inside the five and score, Chris. I, well, and not only score, Kay, it's, I think there's been four touchdowns called back due to penalties this year, which is wild. I mean, that, oh, wow. that doesn't happen in a 16-game season, let alone five games, right? So you, you have that. Um, they had the the fumble at the one, uh, an interception in the end zone. Just little things that can completely flip a game that just have not gone their way. And so you hope that some things even out a little bit. But I tell you, the, the leadership of Phillip is one thing. But to get guys like Derwin and Adrian Phillips eventually uh. back, just the leadership that they provide, Kay, I think that can't be overstated. They mean such a great deal to this defense, too. I agree. And speaking of the defense, if I were to just give you the one concern, I mean, hopefully that can be – fixed or remedy that run defense, right? We mm -hmm. need to get that sort of fixed and, uh, and going for those months later in the year when we want to get into the playoffs and teams are going to run. It's going to be the only option. So hopefully they can figure some of that out. I just know I, there's just got to be a magic to this team that sees, you know, Philip Rivers battling everything every week out there, unfazed, father time, be damned. It's really uh, an incredible thing. I'm so excited that everyone's going to be able to see on Sunday night. Because I feel like they're not getting the national love coming off a 12 and 4 season. I know Melvin Gordon's not feeling any sort of love from the national media. And I know we talked about Melvin Gordon in the beginning of his holdout. He thinks he's overshadowed by Melvin Gordon or by Zeke Elliott and his situation uh, when that was going on. So I'm excited to see some primetime love for Philip Rivers and the respect he deserves and what should be a bounce back against the Steelers. An easy win for LA. 
what you hope. Chargers hoping to get to three and three before they go on the road for two games. And you mentioned Melvin Gordon. I think he was kind of shaking off some rust last week. 31 yards mm-hmm. on 12 carries. Just having him and Austin Eckler in the backfield together. Austin already has 98 touches this year, which is actually tied with Ezekiel Elliott. So if you can find ways to use both of those guys, you know, Austin's so great in the passing game, and so is Melvin. So if you can get those guys on the field at the same time, start to get Melvin into a bit of a rhythm, I think one of the reasons they've lost some of these games is they haven't been able to milk the clock in the second half. And, and I think number right. 25 is a, a big reason why they think they can do that later on in the year. I hope they can get that going. I mean, there was a, you know, I, I work in fantasy football as well. And there's this question of what do I do with Melvin Gordon? And more importantly, what do I do if I drafted Austin Eckler? And Austin Eckler can't go anywhere. He's proven to be a vital part of this offense. He's versatile. He's dynamic. He's doing it all. Philip Rivers clearly trusts him, even though that they, you know, that fumble uh, doesn't help his, his cause here, but they're going to use both of these guys for sure. And I think Philip Rivers said in his press conference after the loss that Melvin Gordon looked like he played in his first game and that he thought that Melvin Gordon would stay the same. You know, Keenan Allen, he was slowed last week. Denver took notice, obviously, and, and kind of took him out of the game a little bit. But before that, I was trying to rack my brain, too, last week. We were talking to Jim Nance about just wide receiver quarterback combinations currently in the league. And mm. I was like, I don't know if there's a better one than Rivers and Allen, just because of the chemistry and the longevity. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another wide receiver quarterback duel currently in the league that's as good as those two. Yeah, and they're you know, so underrated and overshadowed. Keenan Allen is sick of it. You can tell he's reached a veteran status among his wide receiver peers and among you know, just in the NFL ecosystem. And he's telling people how he feels. And Melvin Gordon sort of does the same. There's definitely something to this disrespect that they feel. We never really hear it out of Philip Rivers, their leader. Uh, but maybe he, you know, I don't know how he feels about that. But it's certainly something we see driving Keenan Allen. If I personally leave Keenan Allen out of a conversation about wide receivers, He'll be the first to quote, quote, tweet me and oh. say, ha ha, like, I miss it. <laughs> He's let you Melvin know. Gordon, you know, yeah, he lets me know right away because he understands the impact he has. I mean, through four weeks, he's the leading receiver. He has more yards than anybody. Chris Harris got to him and he's quick to use his Twitter fingers and his Instagram comments to tell people how he feels. Uh, I think he absolutely is in the, in the conversation. That tandem is huge. I, the only other uh, quarterback wide receiver, another one that I think relatively unheralded but it's newer is Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett if you watch those two on the field they are uh, metaphorically finishing each other's sentences as far as plays breaking down making the adjustments in game finding each other on the field it reminds me of Aaron Rodgers and Jordy very much but Keenan Allen and Phillip Rivers yeah it's like clockwork with all of the injuries all of the adversity they somehow keep it going outside of the Chargers the first five weeks of the season, it's always wild. You always see surprises. What's stood out to you? You do this every single day, talking about all 32 teams. Hmm. What's been most surprising to you, Kay? I would say, you know, Chiefs fans think that I hate them. I wouldn't say that it's surprising. <laughs> it's a little bit surprising to me that the, the defensive struggles that they have are so overshadowed by the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that run defense being able to stop anybody in an actual playoff situation. I think we're neglecting that. So it's not a surprise to me that that's true. It was true last year. But it's a surprise that, we're, that on a national level, we're not talking about that more. Then you look up at New England, also not a surprise. 
but it kind of is. It's a surprise that this team is focusing solely on their defense. That's what we are. We are a defensive juggernaut. Nobody's going to score on us. And Tom Brady seems, seems to me seems a little bit frustrated that they're not, you know, they're releasing guys like Ben Watson. They're not, they didn't really make moves. How long did they know Gronk was going to not be there? What were the moves to make to maintain and keep pass catchers up there in New England? So we'll see. They can do it better than anyone. We're also not used to seeing the Patriots get out the gate so hot. Usually they're a November team. I don't really start paying attention to them. Till they, they, they're always a different team completely uh, later in the season than they are early. And they struggle. Their losses usually come in September and October. That's no. not happening. So we have to keep our eyes on this. As much as we all might have Patriots fatigue, is this an undefeated pass team that we're witnessing this year without a stellar defense? Yeah. Or offense, rather. Yeah, you're right. And their defense, they've packed the defense, certainly, in September. And the AFC in general is just kind of weird to me because we know, oh, yeah. we know the Pats, right? The, the Chiefs lost to the Colts. The Chargers beat the Colts week one. AFC North is down. AFC South, anybody's guessed. Um, it's just a lot of uncertainty. And I almost feel like, and, I, and I've said this before in September, it's almost like an extended preseason in September. And I think hmm. as this month kind of continues to shake out and we get to end of October, November, we'll start to see kind of who's for real. Because right now, there's a lot of teams that you could make a case for or a case against. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, in the AFC, you'd have to say it's, it's there, there's a clear order at the top for me where it's obviously the Patriots, the Chiefs right after that, despite that loss and upset. Not every team can stop them. Not every team can run on them and control the clock the way that uh, – Indy did. The Patriots certainly can, and they're undefeated. So then I would I would say Chiefs after that, and then you're in this weird no man's land of it's it's the Bills. It's the Bills as the team that follows them but couldn't get the win at home against the Patriots. And Josh Allen looked like a complete novice in the first half before he was knocked out, and that Barkley claim came in. So I mean, the Bills I think need to be taken seriously. Their defense has been top five since the beginning of last year into this season. But other than that, it is anybody's game, and teams have to look at that and love that. Like teams like the Chargers have to see it for what it is—an opportunity despite a tough schedule. No doubt. And at the end of the day, you just want to get into the tournament. You know, there, there's still a lot of football to go to to get this AFC West crown. Final thing, Kay, what are you looking for from the Chargers against the Steelers? You mentioned a third-string quarterback coming into Los Angeles, and both teams mm-hmm. actually need a win. I mean, Pittsburgh, they're playing to get their season turned around a little bit. What are you looking for on Sunday? Just mistake-free football. I think if you know that fumble doesn't happen, those picks happen uh, on Phillip Rivers' part, they win the game up against the, the Broncos. And this isn't the first time that we've seen him throw multiple interceptions against Denver, so maybe they just have his number in that way. But, I mean, don't, there's going to be a lot of Steelers fans in the crowd. It's not going to be easy to hear. It's going to be very difficult to get a win in this one. But limiting those mistakes inside the five, in the red zone, at the goal line, they're not having a problem because of great players like Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen of get, getting the ball down the field. But once you're there, you, got, you have to score. You absolutely have to score. You can't give the ball away. And they're going to have to do that and then stop the run. We've seen 100-yard rushers against the Chargers on defense this year. That cannot happen, especially with uh, you know a backup backup quarterback. They're going to try to establish the run game. I imagine uh, the Steelers will try to do that. And we got to get out of there and get a win and get back to 500. I know we got to get Chargers fans excited again. Kate, your positivity. 
helps. It, it goes a long way this week as the Chargers try to get to 3-3. Three and three. Always appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Good Morning Football and, heck, maybe a Chargers game later down the line. Yes, Chargers fans have to do their part. It's not just about optimism and thinking. You have to show up and show that you're supporting Philip Rivers, and we're watching history here on Sunday night, so I'm sure that's what they'll do. All right, to get this week's Opposing View presented by Mercury Insurance, please be joined on the line by Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, appreciate the time, my man. How you doing? No problem, Chris. I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm, I'm happy to join you today. Well, a lot going on in Pittsburgh this week after Sunday's overtime loss to the Ravens. And let's just start with the quarterback situation. That, that Mason Rudolph hit was a, a brutal, brutal hit. Describe what it was like in the stadium when that happened, Ray. Yeah, it was a pretty scary situation. Uh, he was knocked unconscious before he hit the ground. And then he sort of, uh, you know, had the double whammy of his, of his head slamming off the, the grass at Heinz Field. So, you know, they took the face mask off. Um, you know, he, he eventually walked off under his own power, but you could just tell he, he was not, uh, he, he was not there. Um, but surprisingly, he was in the locker room on, on Monday seemed to be in good spirits, and then believe it or not, on Wednesday afternoon, he went out there and practiced for the Steelers. Now, he ran the scout team. Um, He's not cleared from the concussion protocol just yet, but everything seems to be very positive with Mason Rudolph um, and his recovery from that brutal, brutal hit from from Earl Thomas. So, Devlin Hodges, he came in in relief, 7 of 9, 68 yards, a small sample size, but just your assessment of, of how he played in relief of Rudolph. Yeah, I mean, this kid, listen, he he wasn't drafted. He wasn't even signed as an undrafted free agent following the draft. The only way he got to the Steelers was by, you know, opening some eyes at a rookie trial camp in early May. And then wow. they signed him to a contract then. So, you know, he's a guy who was way off the radar even though he was a record-setting quarterback at Division One AA Samford, um, you know, very successful one AA player, but he was obviously overlooked throughout the draft process, and even, you know, even you know the uh, the scouting process as far as the undrafted free agents go. But he's a very confident guy. Um, he's a little small in stature. He's about six one. Um, you know, he, he he's got a good arm, but he doesn't have a great arm. So I think all those things that you hear about with you know, quarterbacks of his size. I think that's the reason that he was sort of overlooked. But tell you what, he came in there against uh, the Ravens, led them to what could have been um, uh, a field goal winning drive, you know, if not for, for the Ravens coming back and, and tying the score at the end of regulation there. So I was very impressed with him. We'll see what he can him, you know, a full week's preparation, knowing he has to be the guy instead of just going in there and winging it after an injury. But this guy will not be afraid of the moment. It's a Sunday night game in L.A., but this guy will be ready for it, believe me. I tell you what, Hodges, he played high school football, I believe, about an hour from where Phillip Rivers is from. Phillip talked about that on Wednesday. He said, I'll be at this guy 16 years younger than me, and he doesn't know him. But <laughs> it's just kind of ironic that his first career start on Sunday night football is going to be against a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback that grew up very close to where he's from. Yeah, Mike Tomlin was talking about that as well. Um, you might have heard there's been a lot of speculation uh, about the Washington Redskins job after Jay Gruden was fired. And, you know, Mike Tomlin is from, you know, the Hampton Roads area. And I, I guess he grew up rooting for the Redskins. So 
he was asked about the Redskins job at his news conference on Tuesday. And he, he that's what he said. He says, if you think I'm worried about anything other than going to play the Chargers, who have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback with my number three quarterback, you're sadly mistaken. So, I mean, he's aware of, you know, sort of the, the discrepancy in talent level that's going to be evident on that field um, on Sunday night. But, you know, the one thing the Steelers have going for them, their offense has, has, has struggled since Roethlisberger went on season-ending IR. But the one thing they have going for them, since they acquired Minka Fitzpatrick in a trade uh, before the Week 3 game against the 49ers, they've created 11 turnovers, and that defense all of a sudden is looking like it's really good. So they can hang their hat on, on the defense in this game and maybe just get enough from the offense. They might have a chance, but hey, listen, whenever it's Phillip Rivers versus uh, a rookie tryout guy, um, it's going to be a tall task for the Steelers. Well, Ray, that was my next question because Pittsburgh, they're tied for tops in the NFL with 12 forced turnovers, and you mentioned the 11 since Fitzpatrick's got there. And I wanted to ask you about both Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush, two guys who obviously were not there last year. And frankly, a lot has changed since that Sunday night football game in Pittsburgh last December when you talk about Antonio Brown not being there, guys like Derwin James, uh, Melvin Gordon coming back and actually playing in this game rather than Justin Jackson. So there is a lot of change since the last time these two teams met last year. Yeah, for sure. And I think Chargers fans know better than anyone what an impact safety can do for a defense. And then what happens when that guy's not there? And, you know, safety has it's been an issue for the Steelers for the last couple of seasons. And when they, when they went out and got Fitzpatrick, it's almost like he completed the puzzle. I mean, they're just so much better with this guy in the lineup. Uh, he can run. He can hit. He can blitz. He can obviously play deep center field. He's always around the football, so he's been a real difference maker for them uh, here in the last couple of weeks. Every game they've played has been really, really competitive. They, you know, they had a four-point loss uh, out in San Francisco to what looks to be a a really good San Francisco team. Uh, of course, they beat the Bengals on Monday night, and then they had a three-point over, overtime loss to the Ravens. So they're much, much better than they were in Week One when they got blown up by the Patriots, but. You know, just bad luck and injuries and stuff like that have sort of conspired against them. Uh, they haven't been able to get, get uh, many wins despite the defense being so so much better than it was early in the season. And we were looking forward to a, a Pouncey Brothers reunion Sunday. Chargers hit with some very difficult news with Mike going to be out for the year, placed on IR. I don't think you probably had a chance to talk to Marquise about it, but a, a tough blow for the Chargers, and I'm sure – Marquise feeling for his brother. Yeah, we talked to Marquise uh, on Wednesday morning, and I'm not sure when that news broke. But he, you know, he was joking around that you know Mike was going to have to buy all the tickets for this week. But you know, obviously, uh, you know that news coming out was it was it on Wednesday that that news broke? Yes, it, it came what, yeah. Wednesday afternoon or, or yeah uh, Wednesday afternoon East Coast time. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure what Marquise knew at that point. He might have known at that point, and he just didn't share that with us. But, uh, yeah, an unfortunate situation for Mike. Uh, he's actually in Pittsburgh quite a lot with Marquise. During the off season. I see him at the facility. And, um, you know, that's just a shame. I mean, we also have T.J. Watt and Derek Watt. That's right. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be playing against each other as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, very, 
very disappointing for the Pouncey family that, uh, you know, Mike's not going to be able to be a part of that on Sunday night. Yeah, Derek going to have to face JJ and TJ in the span of, of three weeks. And we had some fun <laughs> with Derek last year because it was the first time I think TJ and Derek had ever faced off uh, as opponents. Uh, and I'm sure they have a text chain going again this week as they did last year. Yeah, I mean, TJ's really excited about it. I, you know, I know last year, the you know, the Steelers uh, had the big lead in that game and, you know, they, they sort of let it get, a, get away from them. And it was sort of, you know, it was that was the beginning of the downfall of the Steelers. And I think the, the Chargers really rose up from there. That was almost the beginning of their, their late season push towards the playoffs. So it's funny how things like that happen. I don't think TJ likes to look back on that game so much. But obviously, when you're talking about his brother, it's a very, very special thing. I mean, they're they're a great football family, and it's really it's really odd. You know, the Steelers have the Pouncey brothers, um, they, they have the Watt brothers, and they also have the Edmonds brothers. They have Carol uh, right. Edmonds is the second year safety. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds is up in Buffalo, and actually Trey Edmonds uh, is is a practice squad running back for the Steelers. So uh, they they have a lot of family scenarios going around that locker room. So it's it's pretty neat. Uh, to talk to those guys about that. Ray, I was looking at your chat that you do on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette earlier this week, and a couple of things I want to ask you. First, is, is Trey Edmonds, is he could be activated this week? Is that possible? He could be because Jalen Samuels, their backup running back, is going to be out with a mu- uh, for a month with a knee injury. Uh, so rookie fourth-round pick Benny Snell will be elevated to the top backup role, and they, they usually just three running backs no matter what. And Trey Edmonds would be the guy who would get the call up from, from the practice squad. So I don't think they would make that move until Saturday if they do make that move. But I, I do think it's very likely that Trey Edmonds um, will be in, in in L.A. on Sunday night. And I, I think he's going to be activated to the 53-man roster. All right, second thing I wanted to ask you, Devlin Hodges, they keep calling him Duck Hodges. Does he have a nickname? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this goes back to training camp. I don't think this was with him before he got to the Steelers, but, you know, he's from South Alabama. He's got that Southern draw and, you know, all that. And uh, apparently he's a big duck hunter and he's got this great duck call. So like the rookie talent shows, all the stuff they, you know, they sort of haze the rookies with. He would duck call, you know, when, when he would be called upon during training camp. And so now he has the nickname duck and Mike Tomlin has, Mike has nicknames for almost everyone, so I'm not sure if this is a Tallman nickname or how it got there, but it certainly stuck because everyone calls Devlin Duck uh, in the Steelers locker room. Well, that's, you know what? I think it's a good thing. If you have a nickname early on in your career as an undrafted free agent quarterback, they, they must like you a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, you'll take it, right? As long as they know your name or as long as they call you something, I think that's a good sign. Ray, I ask this every week to – an opposing member of the media, just somebody, a player or players that may be under the radar that Chargers fans may not know about or the L.A. media may not know about that you think could have an impact Sunday night? Okay, I'll I'll give you one on offense, one on defense. Uh, Rookie receiver Deontay Johnson um, has has really come on here early in the season, and I think the Steelers are going to need him on Sunday night. James Washington... Uh, the second-year receiver out of Oklahoma State will not play with a shoulder injury. So it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. And Deontay Johnson 
already has two long touchdown passes on the season. And, you know, I think we know the Chargers secondary has sort of uh, been a little bit of an issue there with, with James being out. So um, be on the lookout for Johnson on Sunday night. And then if you want to flip over to the defense, uh, Steven Nelson has a groin injury this week. He's sort of questionable, um, you know, at the midpoint, uh, at the midway point of the week here. But he's been really, really good for this Steelers secondary. They signed him as a free agent. He played for the Chiefs last year. Um, sort of got ripped a little bit because teams picked on him last year. But listen, he's been a great fit for the Steelers defense. If he plays on Sunday night, I think it's going to help them because we all know what happened last year at Heinz Field. Keenan Allen, all those other guys sort of had their way with the Steelers in the second half. So if Nelson can play, I think it's going to be a big benefit to, to the Steelers defense. And Phillip Rivers knows all about Steven Nelson from his time playing the Chiefs last year and in years past. So that's certainly a familiar name in the AFC West. Ray, I'll get you out of here on this. What do you think is going to decide this one? Well, I think for the, for the Steelers, uh, it's are they going to be able to score enough points? I, I actually, you know, looking at the Charger scores here early in the season, um, I think the Steelers' defense will, will do okay in this game. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if, if if the Chargers only score 20, 24 points in this game. But to me, you know, can the Steelers get 27, 30 points? Can they get what it's going to take to win this game? I don't think they can. I think Hodges is a nice story. So I'm, I'm picking the Chargers, you know, probably like a 19 to 16 game. I think there's going to be a lot of field goals, a lot of defense in this game. So I think the Steelers will go out there. I, I actually think they'll play pretty well. I just don't think they're going to have the offensive punch. Uh, that's necessary to go out there and win on the road. Uh, I guess a very good offense and a very good quarterback uh, in Philip Rivers. Well, both teams got to have it. Ray, I can't thank you enough for your time. Really appreciate the insight and look forward to seeing you on Sunday Night Football. All right, Chris. Appreciate you having me on. All right, guys. We know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the game and jerseys for the whole family, too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch, and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Well, you never know who's going to show up at Costa Mesa. Mike Vick, join yes. us on Chargers Weekly. How yes. are you, Mike? I'm doing good, man. How about y'all? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's great to have you. First, give us a, a snapshot into what you're doing here. Filming a show with the NFL with NFL Films called The Grind, uh, episode which appears every week with players, former and present, uh, linking together and just finding out, you know, and giving the world insight on what the grind is like throughout the week. Yeah, from Wednesday to Sunday. Uh, when the clock strikes triple zero, you know, where you stand and how you get to, you know, the first week, first day of practice to the end of a game, you know, and what happens in between. People uh, don't have a chance to see that or get inside of a player's head and find out what they're actually thinking. So yeah. it's a more up close and personal look of just the grind <laughs> and what it's like, man. In uh, the professional game, that's awesome. Well, we, you and I were Pretty just cool. talking Pretty off cool concept. Yeah, you and I were just talking offline. I went to James Madison University. Yeah, about a what about sixty ninety minutes from Blacksburg. Yeah, yeah, it's that about, was about two hours. That w- that was your first if that start. Yeah, that was my first start in nineteen ninety nine. 
And you remember the, you remember the stat line? Uh, I'm sure it wasn't pretty for the Dukes. Very interesting stat line. Um, all I can remember was running out on the field and looking up in the air, being so nervous, but saying to myself, God, if this is everything that you want this to be, then it's going to happen right here today. Yeah. And uh, second player of the game ripped off like a 62-yard run. Um, the stat line was amazing. I won't be accurate right now, but I threw for over maybe 200 yards. Um and ran for two touchdowns and threw one. I remember completing a 60-yard bomb to our ex-receiver, Ricky Hall. <laughs> and uh, just an amazing day, man, before yeah. uh, the the halftime, you know, um, came along, came around, I was on the bench. I yeah, they sat you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that was the story of my life in college um, and in the pros, always trying to stay healthy. But regardless, man, just an amazing day and, and not a – not the the fact that I the fact that I didn't expect to do what I did. Sure, and I did it. It was remarkable. Man, you know we, we do these what if scenarios, right? Yeah. Two thousand one. Let's just say what if, right? I, I, I don't know if you've talked to LT about I this know or what's not. Coming. You know what's coming, right? <laughs> what if? What if Mike what Vick if was Mike a Charger? Vick comes to the San Diego Chargers. What if Mike Vick was a Charger? Right. That means. They don't draft Drew Brees. That means LT goes somewhere else. Yeah. It probably means Phillip Rivers isn't a charger. Yeah. It would change the course of NFL history. Right. Have, have you ever thought of that? Yeah, it's amazing. When you look at the broad spectrum, when you think about scenarios and things that could have happened and trades that happened, I, I always go back to what happened with Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning on, on That's right. Day. That's right. You know, Phillip could have easily been in New York and, and vice versa. But, uh, yeah, that would have changed the dynamics of where Drew went, um, what happened in his career, his, you know, his route to his Hall of Fame career, um, certainly Phil and his his route to his Hall of Fame career, um, and mine. Yeah. You know, who knows? You know what would have happened here in San Diego? I know I saved a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Taxes for sure, no doubt. <laughs> you know, Philip. Sunday, he's making his 214th consecutive start. That's amazing. I know you're a Rivers fan. What do you admire about that guy? Uh, I love Phillip's passion for the game, and I love the way he's just been consistent over the years. And I always admire any quarterback who's been an Ironman for their team, accountable every week. And I always preach that um, accountability at the quarterback position and being present. Um, you know, it reverberates in the locker room and to your teammates and you know, he can always go to another player and say, and say, this is an interesting stat line for me. Yeah. You know, I started 200-plus games, and you've got to be a strong man uh, to do something like that with amazing willpower. And uh, congratulations to Phillip, man. That record just continues to go on, and we won't jinx it. No doubt. I looked up. You guys went head-to-head one time. Do you remember that time? I think, man, Phillip went head-to-head a couple times. Uh as a starter. As a starter in 2013. That's right. That's uh, the game. In Philadelphia. And then when I played with Pittsburgh, yeah. I came here. And so two times head-to-head, we split one and one. It was amazing games on both sides. And, uh, you know, it, it was just great to compete against them. And I'll never forget after the game in Philadelphia where I threw for 416 yards in a losing effort. Uh, you know, Phil just came to me and said, man, you was amazing. And I was saying the same thing back to him. And, you know, just a mutual respect for each other's game. And even though it's different, um, it was a different style of play yeah. on both ends. Uh, you know, the admiration was, was always there. So what's cool about that game, it was 33-30, to 30, right? Yeah. You threw a bomb to Deshaun, I think like a 60-yard touchdown. Yep. He threw three Down touchdowns. Right he threw three touchdowns to Eddie Royal. 
a Virginia Tech had Hokie. A breakout game. <laughs> so that was, that was your guy, was right? In the mix, yeah. Uh, a former V Tech guy. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, um, you know, he knows the game of football, and uh, he did some great things at Virginia Tech, and uh, he was pretty significant on the field for the the Chargers and. Uh, it's good to see guys like him make their mark on the game in whatever yeah. way they can. The longevity might not have been what everyone thought or what he might have expected, but I think Eddie played about eight or nine years. And Eddie had a good career. career. That's yeah. a great career. Yeah, Quarterback-wide receiver combinations. I mean, you had Roddy White in Atlanta. You had Deshaun Jackson in Philly. Uh, the chemistry that Phillip and Keenan yeah. have together. I mean, yeah. you, you look throughout the league – there's very few tandems that have that chemistry and that longevity that those two have right now. Right. You look around the league, man, and each and every year uh, you can just rip off teams. Um, for instance, the Detroit Lions, uh, Matt Stafford, and Calvin Johnson was the connection for years. That was years. it, yeah. And since then, Golden Tate comes along and you know they have some other guys, but it's just not the same. And it's so hard to get on the same page with a guy. Better yet, talent is so hard to find around the league uh, to develop chemistry with the receiver that you can call your go-to guy. Yeah. Um, Kenan Allen has certainly become that guy for Phillip. And uh, Phillip has done an amazing job of making him the player that he is because without Phillip, he don't you know, progress into, into that, that player that we know, you know he's becoming. He could have become and the player that he is now. That takes work. It takes practice. It takes working with the veteran quarterback who knows how to put players in spots to to be successful. That's right. This quarterback's room too. We talk about Tyrod Taylor, yeah, the guy who followed you in your footsteps at Virginia yeah. Tech. It's got to be special for you to not only have Philip here and pick Philip's brain, but also right. see Tyrod again. Yeah, you know what, man. Philip was talking yesterday, and he mentioned Tyrod, and just a big smile came on his face, and I was like, why? Why are you smiling so hard? Is he just like great for the room? He's just like Tyrod's amazing, and he's a great spirit. Uh, he's good in the quarterback room, and he knows football. And I'm pretty sure he's been a big asset for that quarterback room. And Tyrod will do anything it takes to help his team, uh, whether it's being a, the best he can be on the scout team, giving the best looks he can be right now, and studying and making sure that if it's an opportunity for him to play, that he goes in and do it correctly. Um, we talked about it yesterday and just how to handle the backup role. Yeah. I felt like that was something I didn't do well when I played uh, my last couple of years because I was so used to being a starter and he's fresh off being a starter. Uh, so, you know, it's a different component, different dynamic, but you, you're you alongside one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. And I think that's uh, appreciation within itself that he should have. Uh, I felt that way when I was with Ben Roethlisberger. A couple quick ones for you. Anthony Lynn, you guys crossed over in 2014. Yeah. Was there a moment in New York where you're like, this guy, he's got what it takes to be a head coach? Well, I always felt like Anthony Lynn had the voice – the presence and the leadership. Uh, even being a position coach at the running checks all those position, boxes. Yes, he checked all the boxes. Um, when he became the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, San Diego at the time, you know, I knew that it was something special brewing, and I knew that was one of the guys who was most qualified for the job and would be successful. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, can put a, a staff together that'll be. Uh, creditable and understand the game of football. And you know, that's what the head coaching position is all about, not about what the head coach brings, but you know how many people can he bring along yeah. that the players will gravitate to. Final thing for you, Mike. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. The Chargers are playing on Sunday Night Football primetime. Yeah. You had, I think, the greatest primetime performance in the history of the league. 
Monday Night Football against Washington Redskins. Thank you. 20 to 28. Four yeah, touchdowns. Man. Oh, um, just one of those nights, eight, man. I'm not finished. Oh, two man, rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Eight rushing, off. 80 yards. Unbelievable. And I think fantasy, fantasy folks probably hit you up all the time about it. Yeah. But, but just prime time, playing in prime time. What does that mean for a guy uh, of of your stature, Phillip's stature, to know that's a little bit bigger? Yeah, man. Oh, when the whole world is watching, it's sort of an eerie feeling um, because the pressure to perform it, it has just become, you know, just enormous and you soak it all in and you embrace it and you know my mom's watching my wife's watching you know my kids are watching every fan who travels with this team is watching and I got to be the guy who spearheads the win yeah and uh just that pressure alone was scary but I think in great players it it brings out the best and uh you see some of the guys around the league playing some of their best games when they know everyone's watching and uh, it's just a remarkable feeling to say you've been in that situation, uh, you you understand it, and you've prevailed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it comes through hard work, and you certainly can't do it without the help of your teammates and coaches. No doubt. No doubt. Well, hey, man, it, it's a treat for us to have you here. Uh, you do awesome work on Fox. Thank Congrats you. on the grind. Thank you. And hopefully we'll see you around soon. Oh, man, it's amazing. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Mike Vick, Ray Fittipaldo, Kay Adams, and Michelle Tafoya for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, be sure to subscribe to the all-new Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. We are now on Spotify and SoundCloud. I want to give a shout-out to one of our listeners who left a review on Apple Podcasts. My guy Nick Belcher says he loves the podcast, and then he realized that I was from JMU, his alma mater. Shout-out to the Dukes, Nick. Always appreciate you listening. Enjoy the game on Sunday night as the Chargers look to even their record to 3-3 three and three with a win over the Steelers. And until next time. I'm Chris Harry.